Thank y'all for praying for my sweetie. Um, I told her, how can we accept good from the Lord and not bad? So um, I told her that because of all that we've gone through trial-wise, we have not gotten a pass to never go through again. And so um, we honor him today. And as we, she's at the hospital, she's the only lady on the wing, so she's getting treated like a queen. And she's sitting up in there, and the baby's heart's going up and down, so they may take the baby. We're praising God that he's healthy, um, but they just don't understand why his heart, heart, heart rate's going up and down. So we're excited to be able to have a godly seed, and uh, we believe in God that he's going to get us to raise another beefy young soldier for Jesus' glory. So, yeah, and if he doesn't, and if he doesn't, he's good, and his mercy endures forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's dive in. We, um, we've been going through, of course, First Peter, and now we've gotten to the place that everyone's been waiting for. Um, and some have text messaged me and called me and have made requests um, for what shouldn't happen today. I'm like, y'all don't never call and email and all of that no other time. You know, what's good with this? And so, um, but, but, but I, I wanted you to see um, a portrait because, because I think we are concerned as Christians these days. Um, we're, we're concerned, you know what I'm saying, where, where people are getting, especially those under 35, you know what I'm saying, where, where they're getting their philosophy of roles from. Um, um, we're, we're concerned because reality TV has created a format and a platform um, for people to be able to see people um, and even posture themselves through the tube as disciples even. And so now you get a little bit of life on life just by watching TV. And so everybody, because they're bombarded by particular uh, personalities in the culture, in particular aspect of culture, that is pop culture, hip-hop culture, um, mogul, entrepreneurial, young generation culture, um, everybody's kind of no longer taking their P's and Q's from seasoned, Christ-centered people. But now they're taking their P's and Q's from their own age. People that aren't old enough to be their parents. And, and, so, and so today we, we dive into the lady. Next time we'll get into the fellas. If I can get through this today, ladies, you may have two weeks. Um, so I, I don't want to rush through this. Um, because I really want to spend some time on, on, on some of the aspects of what God has for us in this passage. I say that this passage is a two, two-sided coin for both men and women because I think this passage is going to give us a beautiful picture, ladies, of what to look for and to be. Um, um, but I think for men, I think it's going to beef up your philosophy of choice. Because just because she's breasted and bootied doesn't mean she's the best. Somebody ought to hear me today. And, 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 so, and, so, and so I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say that we need to begin to begin, listen, and I know the apologetic that first came up in your mind, well, she can be all that, but she got to have some of the Klakowski, all right? And so we're we going to dive into all of that, but this... God understands that. That's why he made shapes and everything. He made all that. But we want to talk about the shape of something else before you get to the shape of something else. Yeah. 
And so, and so we're going we're gonna to dive in for, for Jesus' glory, and, and we're going to just walk line by line. Y'all know I like to define terms because I really want us to zoom in and breathe and get a biblical perspective on this thing, just by way of a little background. In this passage, of course, he's going through um, talking to people, Christians, who are being socioeconomically ostracized. They're being socioeconomically ostracized because of their faith. And so Peter begins to lay out different institutions in which there's usually a practical breakdown of functional and missional Christianity while they're going through difficulty. And so what he does is he reminds them of their place based on Jesus, not based on the culture. It's, it's, so what's beautiful about this passage is, 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 is now he gets to the lady. He talked about, you know, our relationship to governing authorities, um, the empire for their context, which was huge. Then he goes from there and talk about slaves. Pastor Deuce did a masterful, masterful job last week, really working us and getting us through and giving us some. That's a very hard passage to apply, even dealing with the different apologetics for uh, American slavery. If you didn't listen to that podcast, you weren't here last week. You got to listen to that. Then he goes into and he kind of what's beautiful is he he goes into the gospel. And he begins to use the gospel. Uh, it's funny that he didn't put it at the beginning of this section or the end. Right before he started talking about marriage, he said, well, let me talk about Jesus before I get into this. So what he begins to do is he begins to talk about, and it's funny that he put ladies before men, and we'll talk about that. But, but, but what's interesting is that he begins to talk about the ethics of Jesus in his life and as he went to the cross. So that when he began to flesh out biblical womanhood and biblical manhood, that they would see the biblical mandate. And so here, um, Peter, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we're just going to dive through real nice-like. Verse 1. Since verse 1, chapter 3, he says, Likewise, wives. Be submissive to your own husbands, so that, purpose clause, even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Selah. For this is how the women, holy women, who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting, Selah, to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, Selah, Selah. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Beautiful passage. I want to talk about 
for a little while today, the rebellious woman. The rebellious woman. Now, I, 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 I want to talk about the rebellious woman based on my man, Crazy. Because I, I want you to think of what I'm about to lay out to you as rebellion in reverse. I want you to see what Peter is about to lay out to you today as rebellion, ladies, rebellion, women of God, rebellion against the cultural format of femininity and womanhood. I want you to see the biblical format because rebellion in the normal sense has become normal. And so now I want us to flip the script. And, 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 and Paul is calling us to some beautiful philosophy of life as the people of God in this passage. So that brings me to my first point. If you're going to be a rebellious woman, if you're going to fall back from normal philosophies of everybody else out there, whether it's university culture, whether it's MTV culture, whether it's VH1 culture, whether it's VH1 culture, whether it's the video culture, Christian women must be nonverbal missionaries. Christian women must be nonverbal missionaries. Not all the time, but in a particular time. Check this out. He says, likewise, pointing back to everything that's been said, but particularly Christ and the idea of submission. Then he says, be submissive. Let's stop there. Because that word has become a curse word in the body of Christ. And I want to talk about some misnomers about submission. Because I really want us to spend some time talking about a biblical theology of submission without talking about everything that the Bible says about submission. But specifically how Peter uses it here. Um, Hupotasso is a word that of course means falling in line with your rank. That means every person that God has created, male or female, has been injected with an innate role, whether you like it or not. And so what this idea of being submissive means is, is, is God has given every person a jurisdiction. That jurisdiction is where you have freedom to function. Whenever you move out of that jurisdiction, family, you begin to operate in sin. And so here in this passage, the, verses 1 through 6, he talks about the jurisdiction of a wife. And he says this wife is to be submissive. Now we talk about it being, you, you voluntarily falling in the line, line but, it, but it also has the idea of you having voluntary subordination. That means that you take, you take an L for the kingdom. In other words, you are willing, listen, you are willing not to be told to submit, but you're willing to say, look, in light of my understanding of myself in Christ, I'm so comfortable in who Christ has redeemed me to be that I am going to voluntarily do what he did by coming to earth. The same way Jesus Christ volunteered to come to planet earth, and continue to walk in subordination to the father. He says, I will take my subordination deeper. I will become a human and submit myself to everything within the framework of the human format. 
I will even submit myself to a beatdown that I don't have to take. But this is what the Father has created me and my sphere, and I am going to walk in that. But then there's been some misnomers because, and I really apologize um, for those who came to our couples thing, because there was something that broke out a, a, a while back in that that was rebellious. But here in this passage, Paul walks through that, and I want to help us through this. I want to quote Grudem on some things because he talks about some misnomers, and then I want to talk about some of the misnomers. I'm going to talk about three levels of misnomers, and I want you to walk with me through this because, because there are false understandings by just Christian women in general of submission. Number two, there's false understandings by Christian women who are theologians. And then number three, there's false understandings of womanhood based on those who don't know Jesus Christ and have a frustration with how Christianity has treated women. Now, if you come to this passage with all of that baggage, then you're going to already, your stomach's going to start churning like you had something you ain't like. But if you come to the passage with an understanding of a Christocentric understanding of submission, then the flavor in your mouth begins to change. Grudem says, of course, that there are several misinterpretations or misunderstanding or what submission is not. Let's talk about what submission is not. Submission does not mean putting a husband in the place of Christ. That's what it doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that you blindly follow your husband. That's why Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 1.22 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That can be translated actually as a service to the Lord. So in other words, because you're so committed to Jesus, the submission that your husband gets is a byproduct of your submission to Christ, and he just gets good sprinkles of it. Because when, when God is your focus, it changes the flavor of your submission. But see, if you're looking at a dude, you know, we so jacked up, all of us, that it'll be situational because we don't deserve your submission. But Christ makes us worthy. And because you look at Jesus first and then us, but you look at us through the lens of Jesus, it changes your posture, ladies. Submission does not mean giving up independent thought. Doesn't mean that. See, some women think submission means I can't think. Whatever he says, I got to do. That's not a biblical understanding of submission. Ask Zipporah. Ask her. Her husband didn't circumcise her son like um, God said. She, she, she found out that God was about to put Moses to sleep. She went, hurried up, circumcised her son, took the foreskin, and threw it at the feet of Moses. So when Moses wasn't being submissive to God, Zipporah said, I'll be submissive to him. In other words, so it doesn't give up independent thought of thinking. Not only that, submission does not mean a wife should give up efforts to influence and guide her husband. So, so when we talk about the understanding of biblical submission, it doesn't mean that women don't influence. Because when you look out the biblical record, women influence their husbands for both negative and for good. Sarah, we'll talk about later, had some negative influence on her husband. 
Eve had some negative influence on her husband. In other words, because God has innately placed in women the ability to influence their husband's authority. And so what the woman becomes is functionally helping her husband to authoritatively lead biblically based on biblical influence that's within her role parameters. Number four, submission does not mean a wife should give in to every demand of her husband. Number five, submission is not based on lesser intelligence or competence. So submission, ladies, does not mean that you're dumb. Doesn't mean that you're stupid. I know this is simple, but let's get these things unearthed and out of the way so that we can be able to hear a biblical understanding of submission. Just because God has given a man a different role than you doesn't mean you're smart. He's smarter than you. That's why y'all married. If both of y'all were the same, then somebody's not necessary. My wife aced seminary, killed me in seminary. She's smarter than me, aced seminary. You know, I was thanking the Lord. Got through, Platowski. Got through. You know, God blessed, and I did my work, but my wife killed it. So it, the issue ain't intellect. Number six, submission does not mean be fearful or timid. I, I want to hold that one for later. Submission is not inconsistent with equality in Christ. We'll talk about that next time. Okay? Now, let's talk about false assertions concerning submission. I, I want to talk about some false assertion. See, one, one of the false assertions is mutual submission. Because, because one of the things that people in our day have attempted to soften the voluntary subordination of women or make them more comfortable with their frustration with submission is to use mutual submission as a biblical philosophy of submission. And so what happens is the only way you can calm a woman down in premarital counseling or calm her down in uh, uh, postmarital counseling is to tell you you mutually submit. To, oh, oh, he do too. Oh, I would just shoot because I was because if I had to just submit, then shoot. Oh, so it's, 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 it's both ways. Oh, we submit to one another. <laughs> Sassy self. And, 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 so, and, so, and, so, and so, but that's not necessarily a biblical philosophy of submission. <laughs> See, some people think it usually means the wife's Submission to the husband is not unique to the relationship, but the same. Make, in other words, make me feel comfortable by only doing what I agree with. Now, let's talk about the problems with that. The Bible never specifically has submitting to the whims and wishes of the wife as an imperative for the husband. Now, some people try to run the Ephesians 121. Now, let's knock that out real quick. Ephesians 121 is diametrically in, in that pericope connected to the one another's of all believers, not merely the marital covenant that's talked about right after that. Because the one another's are Paul's way of talking about mutual discipleship among believers in community. 
Right before that, it talks about, what does it talk about? It says, be filled with the Spirit. And it talks about the worship context of believers encouraging one another with Christ-centered biblical songs that causes them to be filled with the Spirit. And then it says, and during that time, what happens when you get under the control of the Spirit is that you're supposed to mutually edify one another and you submit to that edification based on relational capital. Then in verse 22, sorry about this, verse 22 is beautiful. Verse 22 then points the submission to the wife specifically. And we'll talk about who the husband submits to. But it's very important for us to understand this. So it is an attempt to settle unbiblical feminism that lies in the hearts of Christian women. Now this is what he says about mutual submission. Mutual submission would, would then mean that the husband is not to be selfish in his exercise of leadership in the family and the wife is to be unselfish in her submission to the support to uh, to and support of that leadership. Although we might think that this is using the word submission in a rather unusual way, we will probably agree that this is a possible sense of what people call mutual submission. We would then say that there is mutual submission in some senses in marriage. Now, I'll say this. I'm adding this. There's one place where the Bible demands that the husband submits to his wife. First Corinthians chapter seven says if the wifey wants to have sex. The Bible says that he doesn't have authority over his own body. So that means husband, I know y'all like, oh, I'm trying to wait till my wife apply that. You know what I'm saying? I'm submitting, submitting your boy. You know what I'm saying? I'm submitting, girl. I'm submitting. I'm ready. I'm under your authority. <laughs> Y'all waiting for that. <laughs> I'll submit to that. Hallelujah. Come out there, your boy. So, so we talk about that. There, there are very few places. Y'all so crazy. There are very few places, you know what I'm saying, where, where we see that. But there's a sense of it there. Let's talk about another few misconceptions. Y'all with me still? So one, one, a, a, friend, a, a female theologian friend of mine, we, we got into a hot debate recently. And she began to talk to me about the fact that there were no role distinctions before the fall. And I began to say, it wasn't, huh? So I began, we began walking through that. And so uh, the idea, and this is what I put, the idea of male and female does not imply equality yet different in function. So, so, so what, I, what, I, what, I, what I began to talk to her about is, why did he say he made them male and female? There's a distinct difference between them, and God created them differently, which means he had distinctive roles for both of them. And plus, the Trinity existed before the fall, didn't it? And so, that's a whole other thing. Then they talk about the fundamental meaning, understanding of helper. And then some will go to saying, and I, I got to, y'all with me? I want y'all to hang with me on this. So the understanding of the word, the Hebrew word for helper, they'll run to the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament and say the word helper is the same word used for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So is the Holy Spirit the helper of humans in subordination? I said, ah, bad exegesis. Because... Every word that's used of God can't be equally used of human beings. 
And so they said, well, helper never, I said, yes, it can mean subordination. It means actually one who's adjacent to and different to that has a different function than the one that they're next to. And so when we look at that, and so, so, that, so that was beginning to, beginning to work that. And I said, well, you still not with me? I said, okay. They said, but, but, but the fall brought, they said the fall brought curses in roles. I was like, I agree with that to a certain extent. I said, but no matter what you think about pre-fall, no matter what you think about post-fall, I said, what are the context in the New Testament of the roles of husband and wife? She was like, I don't know. The cross. So what do you mean? I said, sis, do you mean to tell me that we're supposed to take our cues from pre-fall and post-fall and not the cross? So the cross is the context for the new humanity. So we take our P's and Q's based on the imperatives given post the cross that trumps pre-fall and post-fall because it's post-cross. Somebody going to get that on the way home. So I'm not trying to be like Adam and Eve before the fall. I don't know if you are. Now, if that's you, you know, God bless you. I ain't trying to be like things were pre the cross. I think I like things post the cross. And so when we talk about this idea of submission, we take our understanding of it from the cross. So as we dive into this word and we begin to go into the idea of what it looks like, well, deeply, let's go into the rest of the passage now. Now, now that we shook that off, y'all shake it off? Shake it off. So now we work through it further in the text. It says, to your own husband. It says, be submissive to your own husband. So they basically, it's interesting that Paul always says own. So he wants you to make sure you don't like somebody else's husband more than your own, and you start submitting to somebody else's husband because, you know, he a spiritual man. Matter of fact, this means that you should submit to your husbands before you submit to the pastor. Pastor said this and pastor said that. Pastor said nothing. You better submit. Now, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't get under pastoral authority. But in our context, many people exalt the pastor to a position, especially feminized preaching in congregations, put the pastor as the husband functionally of all the women in the congregation and they love their pastor more than they love their husband especially in inner cities where there's a where there's a, a famine of manhood and biblical masculinity the, the 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 pastor usually becomes the next best thing that's why you have raggedy cats getting it in with chicks i can't handle being y'all's husband Pastor Deuce can't handle, be your hu the husband of your husband. And before you get married, Jesus is your husband. Amen. And so you submit to our authority as viewed through submitted to Christ. We don't want to be your husband. It's enough work having one wife. Amen, lights and walls. <laughs> and so submitting to your own husbands. And, and, and the idea of that, and this is, this is another applicational comment, that means don't get mad at how you, the person you got to submit to if you chose them. You chose them, now you don't want to submit. Well, you know, he be silent. He be silent. 
He be nothing. Subordination, fall into your role. When he stops following Jesus, you stop following him and Jesus in that area. But submit. So be submissive to the husband. And what's interesting about this situation is many of these people were married in this text before they became Christians. And so what happened is, is in this society, these women, a lot of, because a lot of the early Christians were women. A lot of people don't know that. You look at Luke 8, the people who supported Jesus' ministry financially was women. And so, and so, and so, and so what happens is, is that, is that these women were now confused because they had these husbands that were idolaters. It was normal to get it in with prostitutes. It was just a part of the culture where husbands was, you know, was going to get it in with a prostitute. So the wife is wondering, what should I do? Is the cross freedom for me to get rid of this joker? And Peter says, hold your horses. I got some missionary work for you. I know that's not popular in our society where we have hair trigger divorces. But Peter says, hold your horses. And he says, I I, I want you to begin to incarnate into the marital covenant. You are to be an incarnational missionary to your unsaved husband. Wow. Wow. It's a generation that's dead now and that's dying. That my, my mother still has the first ring she got. She's 84 years old. And my father, during the course of their marriage, has acted a plum fool at times. And my mother just believed philosophically in these verses. She says, I'm here to minister to him now i'm not saying that everybody has to i'm not saying that there aren't occasions where but i'm just talking about see most of us are so anti what we want that we want any way we seek exit doors when god wants you to stay behind the entrance and so he says I know that because of the culture, you have seen women as atheists without God because people who were polytheistic were, were seen as theistic and people who believed in one God was believed to be atheists. And some husbands in some situations would front on their wives and get with them in a way that's unbiblical. Some, even against the Roman law, would beat their wives because what would happen is is their marriage would lose status because the husband and the wife did not have the same religion anymore. And it was embarrassing, especially among the middle upper class Romans. And, and, and people in Asia Minor, it was embarrassing. Your wife, you mean to tell me, man, your wife into that old crazy cult religion called Christianity? You better, t- you better take hand of your business. So Pops would go back to the crib and emotionally abuse his wife. Sometimes physically abuse his wife and spiritually abuse her. And Paul said, submit to your own husband. A woman that was getting chewed out by her husband. Talk, talk raggedy about, and he was going, see, if you won't give me none, if you won't act, I'm going to the prostitutes. And he said, I want you to submit to your husband even still. We've taken marriage and we've made it into an option to leave. We already have 
Doors, you know, I'm just saying, you know how they do in society, you know how they do in the society in Hollywood. You know, it's just like, then you see certain people having multiple kids and adopting kids and they ain't even married. And you see that. And you all but see how good things are. Like, I know married people that don't have it as good as them. See, you, you ain't got to have the ring. The ring. See, that's devil talk. That's demon talk. That's, that's regular. That's common. That ain't consecrated. That's raggedy. And so he, he calls these women into mission to be missionaries. Can you handle that, ladies? It's nothing like seeing a woman standing firm. It's sexy. <laughs> to see a woman saying, I don't, God, I know my husband is a plum fool. but I trust you. She's in the bed with him at night. He's snoring up a storm and she can't sleep. And while he's sleep, because he won't pray with her, so she'll open her eyes, look at the ceiling, and put her hand on him and begin calling out to Jesus on his behalf. She said, God, he won't let me pray for him during the day, but God, in the name of Jesus, save him. Take the blinders off his eyes based on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 and 3. Um, so that he may see the glorious gospel as I cook, Father, as I clean, as I do. Things that, Lord, I want him to see you. I want him to love you. Then fall off to sleep. Where are those women? Now, I'm not telling you to marry an unsaved man to become a missionary. See, I knew it. I knew it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of y'all going to the drug strip outside right now. Say, I knew it. Pookie and me could go. I Pookie, come on. Let's go to that. Y'all say, go to peace. Talking about Shaquita. I was trying to, you know. We got all kinds of crazy ideals, family. But these people weren't in this situation by choice. They just got caught in the wrong place at the right time. So he goes on. He goes on and he says to them, he says, so that even if some do not obey the word. So, so this whole text is not just to women with unsaved husbands. But it's also, it's, it's so, 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 but, but the, the whole text, but this part um, applies to unsafe husbands because the word one is mostly in the New Testament used of bringing, seeing someone come from spiritual death to spiritual life, except for in Matthew 18, where another believer is, um, is, is, is disobedient to the word and you confront them and they're one from a sinful habit back into full fellowship with the body and, God's, and God himself. But here it has specifically to do with unsaved husbands. And it says, um, it's, it, it says um, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. That's beastie. That means that as you grow as a believer in Jesus Christ, and he develops you from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, it becomes noticeable to the man. 
And that doesn't mean you're around there slipping him books by Piper. To my, yeah, baby. And putting it under his pillow, putting verses under his pillow and emailing him blogs and, and podcasts. That's not what this text is talking about. You know how it, some of y'all can be a dripping faucet. And it works against your evangelism. Because he was already sick of you talking before you became a Christian. So that just carried over into Christianity. And you still unredemptively running your mouth. And so the text says, shut up. And let your life precede your lips. Because, listen, listen. Do you know what the passage is saying? An unsaved man know if his wife shut up, something spiritual had to happen. He going back to, he got a cigar and some Remy in his hand, telling his boy. He said, man, we've been fronting on Christianity. Man, I'm telling you. Man, my wife don't talk to me much no more. I'm watching a game. She popping popcorn, grilling food. Man, I, I'm going to church with her next Sunday. I'm, I'm going to church next Sunday. Man, y'all should come with me. Because <laughs> Peter knew if some women would just shut their mouth, that is missional activity. So it's, so it's powerful women. It's powerful women that, because many of you all are better gabbers than us. Y'all, y'all can talk us into a friend. Some of y'all, because of the detailed way in which God has created some of you, I mean, you can talk circles around us. You know, it's, and y'all can talk, and, 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 and that's not always good. That, that's not always good. Because many times your mouth can become a snare even if it's good information. Just because it's the Bible doesn't mean it's the time to say it. And so he, 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 he deals beautifully with something, with timeless principles. And he also knows women because Peter was a married man. But listen to what he says in verse 2 before we get into the next point. He says, verse 2, he says, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So there'll be one by respect. You know the love language of every man. The overarching love language is respect. You cannot say I love you to a man and respect him and he'll die for you. Am I right about it, fellas? One thing a man can't respect is a disrespectful woman. Because public disrespect is deeply wounding and embarrassing to us. And when you front on us in front of others, it makes us not even want to have sex. Now, some of y'all say, well, I don't know about that. Man, I worked in my... Oh, Lord 
He said, you some type of different dude, you know. <laughs> Y'all so crazy, man. Um, <laughs> but respect. And I, I don't want to preach all on respect because we're going to do Ephesians one day and we're going to do Colossians. and So I want to <clears throat> deal with all that. But I just wanted to mention that as a misnomer. I mean, not a misnomer, but a clarity of some practical ways. And, with, and, and these are the ways in which he says submission looks. And we'll talk about more ways in a minute. Next point. <laughs> I may or may not get through this whole point because uh, I don't want to, I don't, I want you to, I want you to soak in. I don't want to just rush through information. I want it to soak in. <clears throat> We're going to do verses three and four. First of all, talking about Christian women must be nonverbal missionaries. But also Christian women must hold to countercultural values. Christian women must hold to countercultural values. Look at verses 3 and 4. It says, do not let your adorning be external or merely external to um, the uh, New American Standard says, the braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. External adornment. Interesting. 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 External here points to the fact that this is a sign of being bound and culturally entrapped and enslaved, tamed by society. So all of the below that we're about to talk about is talking about a much deeper issue than external. It points to a woman who is internally empty of satisfaction with Jesus. This is what all of this points to. So adornment. Adornment is an interesting word. He uses it three times in this pericope. And <clears throat> adornment is a word that we get our word cosmetics from. It's cosmeo. Say cosmeo, ladies. Yeah, it's where we get our understanding of cosmetics. The, uh, the, the word means to arrange in an orderly fashion. That's what it means. It means do not let your arrangement be only on the outside of you. This is a good way of helping you through this, is asking yourself the question, how much time do I spend on my physique and how much time do I spend on my faith? See, see here Peter gives, some, uh, gives us a biblical understanding of fashion. Now, he talks in this passion about good and bad fashion. He talks about redemptive fashion. He talks about unredeemed fashion. Now, he's not saying that you come up in here looking like something that just been in a, a wrestling match. It, that's not what he's talking about. Because that can, that can not help the gospel. Them Christian women, hey. Woo! So that's not what he's saying, but he's saying, he said these women have paid extraordinary attention to how they look. What was happening in the church here in Asia Minor is women were going Patti LaBelle with theirs. Back in the day, y'all remember Patti LaBelle in the 80s? Uh, 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 you know, and then they had gold braided into it, real gold. And so they would sit for hours and get their stuff all up. Then they'd go to the mat counter 
And, and they would have, a, you know, somebody splashing this here and splashing that there and powder here and powder there. And they would over, they would, and, and what, what it was doing was to bring extraordinary attention to them in the gathering of the saints. Now, I know that don't happen in the church today. But, I mean, this is that culture, you know, so we don't want, you know. But he talks about elaborately showing off the financial wealth that they have without pointing to the wealth of Christ. So he, he looks in the passage and he begins to talk about, talk about how much they went through. Um, wearing of gold actually means to over-accessorize. Having too many accessories. I remember when I was in elementary school, you know, one of my, one of my, um, my teachers, Miss Maynor, she had bracelets all the way up to here. And so everywhere she went, you could hear them. And it was just noisy. And all of us were attracted to Miss Maynor. We were little kids. Miss Maynor's so cute. And so we love Miss Maynor. But, but she went through, she had cashmere sweaters. A wool skirts, boots up to the, I mean, we was like, we was, we was in like third grade, you know, walking around in line behind Miss Maynor looking crazy. But I mean, her adornment, we always knew when Miss Maynor was coming back to the classroom because her adornment was so massive that when she was coming back to the classroom, we knew to stop doing stuff because she had so much on. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so what he's saying in this passage is he's, he's talking about women who have been entrapped by cultural fashion trends. But, but he's not just talking about what they wear, but what they wear that they don't wear. And, and he's saying th this philosophy of womanhood has caught up with the way you practice Christianity. And so you have a weighty persona with a lean soul. Your spiritual vitality is shallow. You pray the same prayer. Thank you, Lord, for waking me up this morning and starting me on my way and brighten my day. There's no engagement of God because there is no soul depth. He's saying, I don't want Christian women to be known as ditzy women who cry during worship and run around but have nothing that theologically causes them to do that. Because most of us worship based on what we're going through. And we believe that worship is going to cause God to do something to get us through it. But it's not based on a biblical understanding of the goodness and character of God that drives that worship to say, whether you take me out or not, whether I have no season coming, God, you're mine. You, you can't allow yourself to be thrown into an emotional frenzy about things that God won't do because you don't know your Bible enough to know that some of them cats be lying. The eyes of preachers don't need a back. You know, the, 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 you, you got to have some depth. You got to listen more than you say amen sometimes. You got to listen and say, 
I ain't going to put them on blast, but. Oh, God, that ain't the Bible. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, when my wife has the lamp on and the tea out in the morning, she got the blanket over her, her Bible's open, her journal's open, and she got a commentary open. I go upstairs and I light candles. I said, girl, what you over there doing? You spending time with God? <laughs> Shoot. I hear a praying for us. Father, bless his day. Go before him today. He's going to be ministering. I'd be like, oh, my God. See, we, 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 we have to be nurtured, ladies, to be what he's about to say. He says, but let your adorning, let your meticulous arrangement, let your cosmetics go beyond cover girl. And be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Oh, it's one o'clock. I was going to sit down now. Oh, man. Just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. You know, I want to meet. I, I, I mean, you know, well, before I became a Christian, I wanted to meet a woman that didn't just always, when I took her to the movies, they saw a woman in the movie that was wilding out. They said, she is crazy, but that is a good shoe. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all ladies know what I'm talking about. She crazy, but that pocketbook. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all can see somebody wilding out. Y'all forget all about the wild and out. Say, look at that stiletto. Girl, that is a good shoe. And the zipper's in three parts. Woo! That ain't, that's a real Louie. That ain't no Chewy. That's a Louie. That ain't no Uchi. That's a Gucci. That ain't no Indy. That's a Fendi. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, but then you, you forget about her soul depth. See, this woman is very careful of what she allows into her hidden person. She's always on the spiritual deficient, uh, the defensive with biblical nutrition that reflects anything that's donut ministry. See, donut ain't nothing, have no, they taste good, but they have no depth and value to, to, to nutritionally develop you. See, we don't need donut women. We need asparagus, Porcini Delmonico steak, chicken, lobster soul women. Something, you know, some shrimp gumbo woman. They, they got a rue in her soul. Hallelujah. That, that's more than a hair weave. That's, that's more than a dread. That's more than a shape up. That's more than a natural. That's more than a perm. That's more than a relaxer. That's more than a conditioner. That's more than eyeshadow. That's more than lip liner. That's more, that, I, I'm talking about a beefy, laid out woman whose soul has depth. So he said, I want it to be. Uh, see, the hidden, the woman whose stuff is hidden, 
See, you, you won't look at her first. Not that she's not fine, but you won't look at her first. And you won't, you, you won't just get her steez by looking at her. Her steez is something that can be slept on because it's hidden. But when you get up close to her and you begin to peep her ethics, how she make decisions, how she make the, you're like, oh my God. Hidden, I'm talking about hit the hidden heart that's laced with kingdom realities. That, that's like, man, I don't know if you've talked to Shorty Beast. Her husband wilding out, she's not wilding out on him. She's not misspending the money. I'm going shopping. My soul need help. <laughs> She'll say, this is not the time. We're on a budget. And because God is a stoop, honey, what do, you, what do you want us to do with the fine? Okay. Oh, no problem, sweetie. That's, that's the direction we're going? Okay. Plot out. It's a woman you want to sit and spend time with, ladies, over tea. You want to watch her as she talks to you while she's washing clothes. <laughs> while she's sizzling it, when she disciplines the ch her children, you notice how she disciplines. She's not all over the house. Get out! Get out! I'm tired of y'all! Hey! 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 Don't let me. And that's all the way that she talks to her children. But the woman whose spirit is so beasty that an eyebrow says it all. Kids be like, oh, mom ain't playing right now. She in a different mood today. what I'm talking about. Nobody says, he says, let's, let's break this down. He says, what makes her different is her heart. Christian women are called to get the right attention based on the right adornment. See, some of y'all wearing low riders and your thongs showing in the back when you bend over to pick up your hat off the ground. You know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all breast that's all out. Down there. How you doing? How you doing nothing? Because some of you in the morning, and, and I want to be gracious with this, in the morning, your devotional time is to prepare yourself to get attention from men. And so the only reason people look at you is because of your external. But there's nothing about you that can catch them more than for a moment. Because after he get it, he ain't going to talk to you no more. But see, a woman of depth, woman of depth, says, I want to look nice, but I want my soul to be properly arranged so that if God does allow me to be attractive, 
that it deflects the right people and invites the right people. Matter of fact, I want to be it for my family. They, they, they are supposed to have more in their soul than on their flesh. Their inner clothes must be more costly than their external clothing. This is not somebody that you catch on a casual observance. Christian women. Christian women. You have no reason, no reason, no reason to not love who God has created you to be. Some of y'all struggle with all kinds of issues, weight and all that stuff. And I, whatever God is working you through, through that. Some of you are struggling with how people talk to all of that. But I pray, I pray that Jesus will be enough. And that you will begin to reflect. I'm going to close it. I'll pick some of this up next week and we'll dive into the dudes. <clears throat> but I pray that Jesus will be enough. I pray that all of y'all will be slept on. I pray that nobody whistles at you this week. You know why? <clears throat> and I pray that you will so treasure Christ. So treasure Christ that you don't notice the pimple tomorrow morning that you're going to have on your face. <laughs> See, some of y'all, a pimple can mess up your day. But I pray that your day will be messed up if you haven't gotten with him. And so the hidden woman, the woman that slept on, Ladies, rebel this week. Rebel. Be rebellious. But when I say be rebellious, be biblically rebellious. Father.